Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you again. And uh, uh, let's open up our copies of God's Word uh, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 38 to 42. Uh, Luke 10, verses uh, 38 to 42. And uh, while you're uh, looking for that, I just uh, remind you, maybe some of you who weren't here last night, this weekend, we're looking at three Christian challenges. Uh, we began last night with the challenge of doubt. We, we deal with doubts. We wonder, is it all real? Is it all true? And uh, we looked, you remember, at John the Baptist, this great man of God. And yet, even though he was given such gifts and such an important role to play, he had doubt. He struggled with unbelief, uh, as we all do from time to time. Uh, but uh, this morning, what I want to look at is another challenge that we deal with. Uh, it's the challenge of the distracted believer. And for that, I want us to consider the example of two sisters uh, that Jesus knew very well, uh, Mary and Martha. So with that, let's give our attention to the Word of God, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Now, this is the Word of God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless uh, the reading and the preaching of His Holy Word. Father, thank you again. Uh, for the gift of Scripture. We thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us in the written word, words we can understand, uh, stories that we can relate to, people we can identify with, and a glorious Savior who has manifested you to us. We pray, O oh God, that as we come to your word again this morning, that you would help preacher and hearer alike to hear the voice of Jesus speaking in his word. Help us, O oh God, to apply it in our lives, that we would not simply be hearers of the word, but doers of it as well. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. Well, we're coming up to the summer uh, holidays. At least I, I hope some of you will have holidays. Uh, not everybody has that luxury, I suppose. But uh, uh, as we come to the summer, we look forward, uh, I trust, to enjoying at least a few days of welcome respite from the daily grind, uh, our break from our regular busy schedules. Uh, we value uh, holidays for the opportunity they provide us to spend time doing the things that we often just don't have the luxury uh, to do. It's maybe spending uh, quality time with family and uh, with friends, maybe visit new places, uh, a chance to get away from it all and be refreshed. I think it's fair to say that we are living in an increasingly busy age, very busy age, certainly uh, much busier than those uh, before us. 
The march of technological progress has made completing our tasks a lot faster, a lot more efficient for sure, which leads certainly to greater productivity, but also, I think, to a greater list of things that we try to cram into the same 24 hours that human beings have had since the beginning of time. God has given each of us 24 hours. The question we want to ask this morning is how much of that window of time have we devoted to God? How much of that window of time each day have we devoted to communion with God, the God who gave us those 24 hours? How are we dealing with the Christian challenge of distraction? Now, perhaps some of us, if we're honest this morning, uh, need to confess that we're not living uh, particularly balanced lives. At least I know I can uh, make that confession up front. Uh, The sermon is definitely for me this morning. Uh, not perhaps because we've been lazy, um, uh, or maybe we have been lazy perhaps, um, but neither have we maintained the right priorities uh, between things that are temporal and things that are eternal. Uh, and so sometimes we find ourselves, as it were, sputtering on spiritual fumes uh, to the next holiday. Um, and perhaps we have more time to spend time with God, only to do it all over again when we get back to our usual routines. And that's where I think this beautiful little story of Jesus' dealings with two sisters, Mary and Martha, uh, can help us take spiritual stock of what our spiritual priorities are uh, today. Maybe we're very productive people uh, in our lives, achieving many things in life. And if that's true, we can be thankful for that. But as we move forward, Jesus reminds us that in contrast to the many things, what he calls many things, only one thing is needed. I want us to open this passage under two headings this morning, and you'll see them there on your handout. We want to think about Martha's heart for the ministry of service. And we want to think about Mary's heart for the ministry of the Word. First of all, let's think about Martha and her heart for the ministry of uh, service. And if keep your Bible open, we'll just walk through this text a verse at a time uh, and see what it has to teach us, beginning here at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Three things I'd like us to observe uh, from uh, this verse. Uh, The first is that the ministry of service is a good thing. Ministry of service uh, is a good thing. Uh, We read here that Martha opened her home. She opened her home to Jesus. Uh, And consequently, in verse 40, Jesus acknowledges uh, that she's busily engaged in all the preparations. Jesus knows what it is to be a busy housewife, to to keep home, to be house proud, to want to welcome guests, to show hospitality. It's interesting that phrase uh, which it says, all the preparations, in the original uh, language, the original Greek, literally it says she was busy with much serving, much serving. Some of you this weekend can, can identify with that, much serving. It's driven from a, a very important word in the New Testament. The word is uh, diakonia. It's a Greek word. It's where we get the word uh, deacon from. It's commonly used in the context of the church 
where it's defined as a ministry of mercy, uh, or particularly a ministry of, of service or help, particularly to meet temporal or physical needs. So here's Martha, and this is, this is her gift, we might say. Martha's ministry of diaconal service was hospitality. And on this occasion, she had the most honored guest imaginable. She had Jesus Christ for dinner. Jesus, who once said that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And in the context of this passage, Jesus has been traveling extensively, teaching extensively, and he's in no doubt thankful for the respite, for the refreshment that Martha's home provides him. I think right away there's a word of application for all of us here this morning. Martha's heart for the ministry of service is not only good, it is also worthy of imitation. Hospitality is not just a a biblical suggestion. It is actually a biblical command. Martha opened her home to Jesus. My friends, there's no more important decision, really, for your family to make. Uh, No more important decision, spiritually speaking, than to open your home to Jesus. That's what we are all called to do. Open your home to Jesus. And then if you've said with Martha, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, you'll not only open your home to Jesus, but you'll open his home to Jesus' people too, his needy people, those who are seeking for Jesus. Open your home to everyone. Matthew 25, verse 35. Jesus, uh, at the day of judgment, says, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did this, To one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. So the ministry of service that Martha offers here is a good thing. The church needs its Marthas. I'm sure this this fellowship is blessed with many of them. Indeed, I've already witnessed that last night. Uh, Some of us men here can uh, rejoice in the fact that we're married to a Martha. Uh, And like our Lord While he was upon earth, the members of his body have temporal as well as spiritual needs. And like Martha, we should always keep our eyes open for them. What are the needs of the members of this fellowship? How can you meet those needs? There's got to be ways in which you can help and serve. And if you're not sure, ask your pastor. Ask somebody who knows the needs and think of ways that you can serve. 1 Peter 4.9 Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So there's the first thing. The ministry of service is a good thing. But I want to move on to this next point, and it is this, that the ministry of service is often a distracting thing. It is often a distracting thing. Look again at verses 39 and 40. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha's ministry of service was good. 
but it wasn't happening in a vacuum. There was something of eternal significance happening in her home that day. You see, Jesus' visit to her family not only gave her an opportunity to serve him, it gave him an opportunity to serve her family too. Jesus wasn't simply waiting on the sofa for the sumptuous dinner she was preparing with his mouth watering. No doubt, uh, perhaps he was. Uh, That's true. Uh, But rather, he was busy as well. He was busy teaching his word. He was explaining the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. We're going to come and consider that aspect uh, a little later on uh, in the second point. But as we want to continue to consider Martha's heart, we read that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Or better, again, she was distracted with much serving. What was she distracted by? Much serving. Yes, this good and noble and example-setting ministry of service was distracting her. But distracting from what? Verse 39 again. From listening to what he said. Now this, this word, this Greek word distracted, appears only here uh, in the New Testament. And it means to be over-occupied. Uh, to be uh, too busy about a thing. And again, I have to remind us, it's not, it's not the thing itself that's problematic. Rather, it's the priority that it has assumed in Martha's life. It's something she has a heart for. She loves to serve. She loves to show hospitality. That's a good thing. But it's also something that's begun to distract her from an even greater priority. Now, the author Kevin DeYoung uh, has written a great little book, Crazy Busy. Some of you may have heard of that book. Uh, he says this. He says, Martha isn't doing anything bad. Uh, she's just being pulled away from what is better. She's so busy with dinner that she's giving Jesus her spiritual leftovers. Isn't that good? So she's making dinner. She's giving Jesus her spiritual leftovers. And surely something we can all take away from this passage is that the good is often the enemy of the best. Or to put it another way, Martha's service to others' welfare has led her to neglect even her own spiritual welfare. Her service has distracted her from hearing Jesus' voice. And when that happens, our ability to bless others by our ministry of service is itself hampered. We might say that we defeat our own purposes. So instead of a a fruit-bearing ministry towards others, our service can become thorn-bearing towards ourselves. I'm I'm taking that from Jesus' parable, you remember, uh, of the seed that was sown. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 22, the one who received seed that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Martha's busyness in a good thing has choked the word so that it ceases to bear fruit in her life as it ought. Isn't it interesting how our enemy, the devil, loves to take our strengths and turn them into weaknesses? You may be very good at something, But you give yourself over to it and it becomes even an idol in some way. 
Satan rarely uses overtly wicked things to distract you from the ministry of the Word, or at least not at first, but instead he'll use the good things, even ministry things, to undermine your communion with Christ, your spending time with Jesus. And if Satan succeeds in doing so, he will have successfully turned your ministry itself into an idol. And once the good things that you busy yourself with become idols, what's going to happen? You're going to become irritated when something else comes along and distracts you from them. And that's precisely what we see happens next. Look again at verse 40. What happens? Martha's distracted by all the preparations. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You see, when time with the Lord becomes an unwelcome intruder on your precious time that you're busily spending with other things, even, even good things, then it's high time for you to reevaluate your life's priorities. Isn't that what we see here with Martha's actions? When she finally does approach Jesus in verse 40, it's not to worship. It's not to listen. It's to complain about how unproductive she's being in serving her domestic idol. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's complaining to Jesus that her sister doesn't share her priorities. She essentially blames Mary for being selfish. Who's really being selfish here? Who's really being selfish? Martha has become so absorbed in a good and honorable thing that she's lost her sense of priority. She's lost her sense of proportion. Now, maybe I'm speaking to someone here this morning that can really identify with this. Maybe this has happened to you. Have you ever become irritated that time spent with the Lord is intruding on the precious time that you've allotted to other things that you're making a greater priority in your life? It's one of the great Christian challenges we face where good things have become sinful distractions from the Word of God, trumping communion with Christ in your life. Maybe you've become distracted by your vocation, your your life, your job, God does call some of us here to serve Him in in particularly demanding and time-consuming vocations. And sometimes He tests us with unreasonable bosses, maybe, who makes these sort of draconian demands on our time. Or perhaps it's a string of family emergencies that stretch us thin or multiple deadlines that we simply can't control. Maybe that's not your problem. Maybe you're distracted by your family responsibilities. Martha here was was probably a widow, head over her own home. Now, whether you bear the weight of that responsibility this morning or not, many of us are just in a very busy stage of life. Maybe we have young children. It's a busy stage of life. Maybe you're caring for elderly parents. A busy stage. Of, there's all kinds of phases we go through in life. And that people make demands of our time. My friends, the ministry of service is a good thing, but it is often a distracting thing. But it needn't always be that way. There are times and seasons where our schedules impinge on our time with Christ, but never indefinitely. 
And we need to learn to manage the Christian challenge of distraction. It's not so much that serving others is by definition distracting. Rather, it's the amount of serving we undertake that can be distracting. Again, the Greek says Martha was distracted with much serving. The quantity of serving was squeezing out the time she needed with Christ. And the question, as Jesus will explain later, is one of priorities. How we will choose to best invest our time. Christians ought to redeem the time, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. And ask God, as we just sang in Psalm 90, to teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. But again, he's given all of us in this room exactly the same 24 hours. 24 hours is all we've got each day. And all of us must choose how we will invest them. So we've seen the ministry of service is a good thing, but that it's also often a distracting thing. But there's one more thing here that Jesus says about it, and it's this, that the ministry of service is often a worrisome thing. A worrisome thing. Look at verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried. Worried and upset about many things. Now again, serving others needn't be a worrying thing, but it often becomes a worrying thing. See, as we gradually lose sight of Christ, our our busyness over our domestic concerns, our provision for ourselves, how will we make ends meet, our, our comfort, our conveniences in life, these things can overwhelm our perspective so that we become worried and upset. And what we have here is a real life example of Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, do not worry, Jesus says, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be given to you as well. Again, Jesus in that passage in the Sermon on the Mount is challenging our priorities, the priorities we've set for our lives. The matters of eternity, Jesus says, matters of the kingdom must take precedence over your pressing temporal concerns. He's promised to provide for you. What are you, what are you worried about? Your Father in heaven knows your needs and He loves you and He desires to provide for you. And if you put all of your energy and consume all of your energy in these things, you will find yourself distracted from the one thing that is needed. Martha was worrying. And she was worrying because in her busyness, she had lost sight of that one thing that is needed. Maybe some of you here are as well this morning. Maybe you're worried. You come here worried this morning. You're upset about something. Upset about many things as as Martha was. Maybe you have an endless list of responsibilities on your plate. You're looking at next week and you're thinking, how am I going to do all of these things? And Jesus reminds us that these many things can be worrisome precisely because they are many things. We're going to sing after after the message here is from Psalm 127, verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. So let's, let's summarize what we've seen so far from this passage. Mar- Martha has this heart for service, and it's good. 
but she's allowed it to become distracting from the word and a source of worry and trouble of mind. And even though she's lived, she lived many centuries ago, and even though she lived in a very different culture from ours, her little domestic world is a lot like the world we occupy too. It's a stressful one. And there are many legitimate demands made of us. And surely that's a warning. A warning from God's living word for today. Martha reminds you and I to beware of creeping spiritual neglect. If you're worried and troubled about many things, odds are, odds are, you are not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Too many irons in the fire often means fewer irons in the fire of God's word. So we need to face this Christian challenge directly. That's Martha's heart for ministry of service and the the resolution to this challenge is found with the example of Mary, which we want to spend the rest of our time on here this morning. We move then to Mary's heart for the ministry of the word. Mary's heart for the ministry of the word. Now, by ministry of the word here, I should say, uh, we mean Mary's, uh, Mary's priority concern uh, for her soul, uh, for her spiritual life, uh, for her personal relationship with Jesus through the means of grace, through the word of God, listening to Christ speaking uh, to us. Let's have a look again uh, at her example. There it is again in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary. What's she doing? She sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. That's an interesting phrase, sitting, um, you know, you're not really sitting at my feet here this morning, but uh, in the first century, uh, that was a reference to to being a disciple, to discipleship. So, for example, uh, the Apostle Paul says in Acts 22, 3, that he was brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was one of the great Jewish rabbis of the time. And so this idea of sitting at someone's feet is an idiom that means that he was Gamaliel's disciple. Uh, And so in the same way, Mary was Jesus's disciple. For Jesus's true disciples will always be found sitting at his feet, listening to what he says. Now, we don't go to Jerusalem or somewhere today and sit literally at someone's feet. The Word of God in Scripture, as it's read, as we read it, as we study it, as we meditate upon it, we sit at Jesus' feet and he speaks to us. This posture of sitting at Jesus' feet is a posture of humility. It recognizes that our lives and all their concerns are subordinate to the revealed will of our Savior that's expressed in His infallible Word, the Bible. It's also a posture of personal communion with Jesus. It speaks of of closeness, sitting close to Jesus, listening to His voice as He applies His Word. And and again, as we saw last night, what He did with John the Baptist, He he takes a verse and He he plants it deep in our heart. He, He speaks to us by it. The sitting at Jesus' feet is also a sure sign of being a member of Jesus' family. Jesus says in Luke 8, 21, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. It's a sign of being in the family, a sign of being a Christian. I mean, why, why are we here this morning and not out watching football or something? Why, why do we love to, to sit at the word and listen to God's voice? Because we're members of his family. 
And this posture is treasured more than all the world can offer for the Christian. Psalm 119 verse 127 says, Therefore I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. A true disciple of Jesus Christ will allow nothing to abate his or her hunger and thirst for the life-giving Word of God. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. The psalmist says in Psalm 81, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. God saying what the posture that we should have as we come to worship. Came here this morning to, to hear God's word. Open your mouth, God says. I will fill it with a feast of good things. A heart for the ministry of the word is a good thing. Indeed, Jesus explicitly tells us that Mary has chosen what is better. What is better? Again, the original actually says that she has chosen a good portion. It's the same word you have a portion or, or a, a course and a good meal. You imagine your, your Christmas dinner or something, okay? And it's a, it's a good course, a good meaty portion, something you can enjoy and delight in. And so the story we're looking at this morning is really the comparing and contrasting of two kinds of feeding. Is our priority food for the body or is it food for the soul? While Martha has been preoccupied with preparing food portions, there is a far more important portion that Mary is presently tucking into, which is far more important. And then while Martha prepares a physical feast in the kitchen for her guests, Jesus is spreading a very different kind of feast in the living room. Mary has learned that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So then Jesus says explicitly here that a heart for the ministry of the word is a good thing. It's a good portion, but it's more than that. It's more than just a good thing. It's a better thing. It's a better thing. Verse 42, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So you see, both these sisters are doing good things. Both are good, but only one of them ultimately is needed. One is more important than the other. John 6, 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Have you learned Mary's lesson? Do you sit attentively on the ministry of the word as it is preached in this place week by week? Do you read God's Word each day? Do you read it individually? Do you read it even as a family? Do you seek this intimacy with Jesus in His Word as you open your Bible each day? A heart for the ministry of the Word is a good thing. But secondly, under this heading, a heart for the ministry of the Word is often a misinterpreted thing. What do I mean? A misinterpreted thing. Well, we've just read how Martha interrupted Jesus' lesson in verse 40. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? In other words, my sister's priorities are all wrong, Jesus. 
And Martha's misinterpretation is that, at least in this case, the ministry of the Word is subordinate to the ministry of service. On the contrary, it is the ministry of the Word that fuels the ministry of service. And so she's frustrated by by Mary's choice and she appeals to Jesus. And what does she say? Jesus, don't you care? It's a terrible thing to say to Jesus. Don't you care? Don't you care? And the answer is, of course Jesus cares. Of course he cares. John eleven thirty says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, who was their brother. Jesus does not for a second condemn Martha for all the trouble she's taken to show him hospitality, all the trouble she's gone to on his behalf. He knows that it's an expression of her genuine love for her Lord. It's a use of her gifts. He knows that. Nevertheless, Jesus issues, I think, a very gentle and tender rebuke here. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Martha's misunderstanding stems from what we saw in our first point. Her priorities are all wrong. Martha is worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better. She's chosen what is better. The implication is that Martha too has made a choice. She has chosen, but she's chosen the many comparatively inconsequential things over the one thing that really matters. She has chosen to busy herself with many temporal things to the neglect of her soul. My friends, you have only one soul, one soul to save from this perishing world and to jeopardize your soul by pursuing too many temporal things is a fool's errand. Listen to Luke 9.25. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? That's something to think about. And so Martha too has a choice to make. Mary has chosen what is better. What are you going to choose, Martha? That's the implication. Martha has misunderstood the comparative importance of the ministry of the Word. And like her sister, her little sister, she must go afresh to Jesus and sit at His feet and be intimately with Him and listen to His voice to fetch daily grace for her many chores. Matthew 6, when she seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these many things will be given to her. They're not unimportant, but there's an order in which they ought to be pursued. So, of course, I'm going to ask you this question. What, what, what are your priorities? What are your priorities like this morning? Have you chosen the one thing that is needed? What have you spent your life living for. We've all come here from different places. I, I don't know most of you. What have you lived for? Can you honestly say that your priorities in life have been spiritual or have they been temporal, glued to this world? Now, again, I want to, I want to make clear, Jesus is not 
throwing the woman of Proverbs 31 under the bus here, okay, uh, along with her chores. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, an industrious woman in the home is highly prized in Scripture. Jesus knows the burdens of a busy housewife. He knows the hectic schedule of the businessman. He knows the relentless ministry of the caregiver. But it's not until you get Christ in perspective like Mary did that all these other worthy responsibilities come into their proper perspective. And instead of being worried and upset about many things, you will leave them at your Savior's feet because that is where you habitually sit. And if you do that, you're not going to be disappointed, I can assure you. You want to get your life in order. Sit at Jesus' feet. Get a new perspective on your life. And he will do it for you. Heart for the ministry of the Word. It's a good thing. It's often a misrepresented thing. And then thirdly, a heart for the ministry of the Word is always a rewarding thing. This is the last point. That's always a rewarding thing. Jesus promises to reward those who, like Mary, choose what is better. He assures you in verse 42, it will not be taken away from you. A lot of things in life can be taken away from you. A lot of things. Not this one. He gives it to you and you've got it. It's yours. It will not be taken away. He has never sent anyone away hungry who genuinely sought Him for their spiritual nourishment. Maybe you just feel spiritually empty this morning. There's a vacuum in your life and you know it's there. You know it's there. Jesus can fill that vacuum. And He makes this promise to all of you who will choose what is better and humbly seek Him in His Word, it will not be taken away. It will not be taken away. We all live busy lives. Many things demand our attention in our earthly callings, and we must do them with all our hearts to the glory of God. Yes, of course. Six days you shall labor. But in the midst of all this busyness, Let's face the Christian challenge of distraction by resolving like Mary to choose the one thing that is needful and to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to what he says. Listen to what he says on the Sabbath day. Choose what is better. Choose the ministry of the Word tomorrow. He will be present here by his Spirit to feed you on his Word on 104 occasions every year. That Sunday morning and evening, 52 weeks, right? You did the mathematics there, right? All right? He's available to you. 104 times a year. There you go. But that's not all. That's not all. You can also come to him on other occasions. Will you be at worship like Mary? Will you be preoccupied with temporal things like Martha? You know, think about the Sabbath for a minute. Why do you think he gave you one day a week free from Martha-like busyness from the concerns of this world? We get to have a Sabbath. We get to have a day free from these projects and distractions that we busy ourselves with the other days of the week. And we get to come here. We get to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to His voice. You've six other days to be Martha. But on the Lord's day, be Mary. <coughs> or are you going to rob yourself? Are you going to rob yourself and the Lord by sitting instead at the feet of your television? Or whatever else it may be that keeps you away. Now, of course, some of us here will have work of necessity, perhaps, to be performed on the Lord's day. Many of us will not. We need to resist 
the encroachments of our employers on the Christian Sabbath. The world's Martha's in the corporate world are increasingly taking up Martha's protest against Jesus' disciples saying, don't you care that my employees have left me to serve alone? What are we going to do with that? It's a pressure. It's a challenge that Christians face. But you're more Jesus' disciples than you are the world's employees. And your loyalty to Christ needs to take precedence over the company. Listen to what he says on the Sabbath day. Listen to what he says also in family worship. Bring your whole family together to his feet so they all can hear him teach. doesn't have to be complicated. Open the Bible. Read. Read systematically through it. Pray together. doesn't have to be difficult. doesn't have to be terribly long. But the point is, make that time as a family. When Jesus visits your home to teach his word, as he did in Mary's, make it a priority that all are there to hear him. Don't let your family be scattered in different rooms like Martha and Mary were with very different priorities. Keep it simple. Read the Bible and pray. And do so with expectation of a rich reward. And then finally, listen to what he says in your personal devotions. Jesus says, go into your room. Close the door. Remove distraction. And pray to your Father who is in secret. Open his word with trust that it will not return to him empty, but accomplish the purposes for which he sent it to you on that particular day. A heart for the ministry of the word is always a rewarding thing. The Lord says to those of you who will heed these counsels in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouths, but you shall meditate in it day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Christian challenge of distraction. We've seen Martha's heart for the ministry of service and Mary's heart for the ministry of the Word. And again, I would just leave you with this question. What are your priorities going to be? What are they going to be? God's path to blessing you and your family is very simple. He says to you, only one thing is needed. Just one thing. Will you choose what is better? Will you resolve this morning afresh to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to what he says? If you will do that, you have his promise that it will not be taken away from you. Amen. Let's bow our heads again in prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we we bow before you again. We thank you that your son Jesus Christ is the living word and that he speaks to us each day as we open the living word of God. We pray, O Lord, that you would forgive us for the times that we have not made it a priority to sit at your feet and listen to your voice. Lord, we do thank you for the many good things that you have gifted us to do in this life. Good things, proper things for us to do. Forgive us when the good becomes the enemy of the best. Grant, O God, that we would find uh, an increasing burden in our hearts, an increasing hunger, O God, for the Word of God, that we may be built up each day, that we may grow and be healthy, that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work that you have given us to do. I pray, Father, that you would bless the word as it is preached in this place week by week. 
that you would bless uh, Mark as he prepares your, uh, the sermons from your word, and that you would bless, O oh Lord, the hospitality ministry as well, all good and vital and important things. Help, O oh Lord, all of us to prioritize each of these good things as your word teaches, and help us, O oh Lord, to find that when we choose that better part, that it is not going to be taken away from us. So hear us, O Lord, we pray. Help us, O Lord, uh, to take these uh, truths and to apply them in our lives. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.